Hello, and welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast, or welcome, period, to anybody listening for the first time. I'm your socially starved host, Brian McInnes, and this is the second episode of the pod, though it's the first featuring a former University of Hawaii basketball player. A lot of ground is covered here with Incredibo's big man Stefan Jankovic, so this is actually part one of two episodes with the second dropping tomorrow, Friday. First, though, there was some news on the UH Hoops front. After entering the NCAA transfer portal in late March, Rainbow Warriors point guard and team leader Drew Bugs ended speculation on his destination on Monday by announcing he's going to Missouri. The SEC will obviously represent a big jump in competition from the Big West, and it's striking that UH's career assist leader is abdicating his position here and not exactly going home to Long Beach either. Interestingly, it's the latest transaction in the ongoing player exchange between UH and Mizzou. Bugs is the fourth player to go back or forth between those programs since 2013, along with Negus Webster-Chan, Keith Schamberger, and yes, Stefan Jankovic. Meanwhile, on the UH women's side, there was movement. Starting center Lauren Ruers is going to Michigan State for her final year, and another frontcourt player in the rotation, Mira Joseph, announced her intention on social media to transfer out this week. But now, I'm excited to bring on Stefan Jankovic, the 2016 Big West Player of the Year and a four-year professional who is with his third NBA G League team this year, the Capital City Go-Go in Washington, D.C., before everything got shut down by the coronavirus. In episode one, we talk about Janks' journey from war-torn Yugoslavia when he was just four years old, embracing his Serbian roots playing ball in his family's homeland, and the life of a G League player stateside. In part two, we'll go over his time in Hawaii, best memories, what it was really like for the players during that investigation saga by the NC2A, and some time-altering what-ifs, like what if Isaac Fotu and Webster Chan had stayed around, and more. So, here we go. Stefan Jankovic joins the Court Sense podcast as the first former UH player guest. Stefan, welcome to the pod. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, B. Sounds, uh, you know, that, that whole former. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a couple of years. It's been a couple of years, but, but hearing the, the former the former UH is still kind of, you know, it feels like yesterday at the same time. I mean, it's, it's been, what, three, four years, but I'm um, happy, happy to be on the podcast. Happy to be the first guy, too. I'm sure we're going get to get into a lot. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. You are the first and only Big West Player of the Year for the University of Hawaii. Uh, still to date, they, they've been in the Big West since since 2012. So you do carry that that honorific around. You were an AP honorable mention All American that 2015-16 year when you guys made the NCAA tournament and won the program's first NCAA tournament game. You scored 15.6 points, 6.6 rebounds that year. Shot 54, better than 54 percent. Made almost forty percent of your threes, so it was a it was a nice all around year, man. I think that's one that a lot of fans remember. No, for sure. I mean, honestly, obviously, you know, I had a lot of uh, you know individual accolades, but obviously, that team itself was uh, was was one of the you know most I guess special teams, uh, obviously in recent history, but in general, you know, even when we look through all the accomplishments, you know, and, and like I said, that that's a big tribute to honestly, like you know, it's not someone. You know how I am. I, I tell you straight up, but you know, if we didn't win all these games, I wouldn't have been, you know, all American, nothing, or, or or player. And then, you know, we easily between me, Rod, and Aaron, I feel like we 
all kind of had our, our spurts throughout the season and it kind of all came, you know, accumulated to, to the, the Big West tournament and, and, and overcoming and, and winning it because I feel like, you know, especially at the beginning, you know, Rod was carrying us. Aaron, you know, kind of through the, the middle beginning of conference play as well and then he went down in the night. You know, I was steady through the whole season and, uh, you know, like I said, those those accolades really came from, from you know, team success because let's be honest, you know, without without winning the Big West and all that stuff, I mean, like I said, not just the accolades, but, you know, we wouldn't be talking about, uh, you know, my, my career, I guess, you know, and those individual stuff as much. So, obviously, that year itself was more special. And like I said, like, when I talk about that year, I don't even, I don't think I've literally talked about, you know, Big West Player of the Year since I, you know, got the award. You know, I, I talk to people about the actual, uh, you know, Big West Championship and the route. You know, that's what I want to get into. Obviously, I think we will, but that whole route and people don't understand how, how difficult it was. Mm -hmm. Sure. And you are coming to us right now from Toronto, uh, where you grew up most of, Toronto, most of your Canada. life. Yeah, um, yeah. What's what's quarantine been like over there, man, these last months now? Uh, it is uh, it's a war zone in our house right now between my 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 mom. My mom's, you know, neutral. She's good. But uh, uh, no, I'm joking. It, it, you know, it's kind of a Serbian joke, but so I haven't lived here since I was 15. You know, I left for prep school and um, obviously did all my college and, and whatnot. So I, I haven't like technically lived here, you know, for the last 10, 11 years um, playing pro and I, I come in the summer for a week or two, you know, I haven't spent that much time. So when I came back, you know, it was like an adjustment and, um, you know, we all eat like crazy, you know, me, my dad, my, my you know, younger brother, who's also six nine. Um, so yeah, you know how like, we have some popcorn left over, some chips or some cookies and you come the next day and it's gone and you know, you're like what's going on over here? So now it's been fun. It's been crazy to, to actually get an opportunity to spend this much time. But yeah, um, you know, I was uh especially when this all happened, I was in DC, I came over and you know, when you go back a month month and a half, and we didn't know what was going on. I'm I'm glad that we have a clear picture. Um and this is definitely something, you know, not to take lightly and we haven't. Like I've literally over here, they don't have, uh, you know, they haven't made any kind of guidelines in, in regards to like curfews, but nothing works. You know, grocery stores work, banks and this and that. But when I say nothing, people understand, you know, for the most part, like everywhere else. But we're on, we're on quarantine, like legit quarantine. And, um, you know, I set up a little gym in my basement just to do some stuff for now. Um, but it, it, I've been following, like I said, cause I'm taking it seriously, just, just like my parents, you know, this is, it's not something to play around with. You know, it's not something we fully understand, but um, especially when I came a month, month and a half ago, man, I was, you know, fully ready for a lockdown. You know, me and my dad, we go to Home Depot and, and stuff like that and make some food, barbecue, you know, but nothing, nothing, you know, with, with any people that aren't family. So it's been, it's been, it's not easy. Let's be real. You know, I think if, if I could choose, I'd rather be in Hawaii quarantine. But um, at the same time, I talked to the last couple of days, people, and they're like, man, you know, it's still tough over here. Uh, it's, it's not easy. So, you know, just like anywhere else, I, I don't think, you know, this is easy on anybody. You know, I, I said, if I had, you know, pool in my backyard and all this, it would still be tough because, you know, man, I'm playing, playing video games more than I've ever played in my life. You know, you, you find other activities though too, but for someone like me, who's an athlete, you know, you're, you're, you're putting us in prison, you know, you're, you're doing, you're taking away, you know, the most important thing. So especially at this time, you know, mid season, but um, it's been, it's been, it's been tough. Let's, let's be, let's be real. But I'm hoping that, you know, if we keep it going, that they can lift some of these guidelines up, you know, pretty soon. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think like, like I said, if I was in Hawaii, I think I'd still be 
going a little crazy, man. This is uh, still rough. What's uh, what's your game of choice? Your video games? Ooh, Call of Duty Warzone. Now, I was actually playing Fortnite a lot. I'm not a big, so I don't play you know 2K and any of these sports games. I can. No I 2K. Know you know what? And not throwing shade because everyone I know plays 2K, but it's just not realistic in, in my opinion. It's a video game, so obviously, but my whole thing is. I, I like playing, like, for example, it's crazy. I like playing FIFA and some of these other games because, in my opinion, I, I'm not a soccer player. So I, I don't know. But for me, they format it. You know, they feel a little more realistic. Since I know I'm a basketball player and I really know the game, I don't know. You know, someone drives by me and dunks from the foul line or someone takes LeBron and scores 85 points. And I'm like, you know, it's a little, little unrealistic. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm more, more on the Call of Duty, to be honest. Um, I've actually been playing with uh, – we have a squad, me, Nico, and, uh, and Negus. Uh, Webster Chan, give him a shout out. So yeah, we actually we actually made a little squad that we uh we played Warzone. It's basically like teams of three or four, and uh and you're just thrown out on this map, and and your goal is just to survive. Like there's a circle, um, a like gas. Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, and uh exactly. And Call, Call of Duty smart for doing that, you know, really smart. So basically, you just have this circle, it's getting smaller and smaller, and you have to survive. And uh yeah, so we've been, we've been playing, but I. I've been trying to minimize it because I, I went through like 10, 10, 15 days where I wake up, play, eat, play, eat, play. And I, I was going to sleep for like five or six in the morning. So I was like, all right, you gotta, you gotta change this up a little bit. But yeah, still nighttime, nighttime. We, uh, we get on for a couple hours every night. Nice. So going back to when you were playing in the G League with the go-go this past year, was the, shutdown of everything for you as dramatic as it was for the NBA, like on the day of Rudy Gobert, did that like hit you guys just as fast? Yeah. So when, uh, that was, it was crazy. And, and you said it, um, that it happened so fast, you know, they were going from, uh, literally like, you know, whether the season's going to get postponed. The thing is at that time for the G league, we were basically three or two weeks out from the playoffs. So our season was almost done, you know, but, you know, for the NBA because we were with the Wizards, like basically in the same, I mean, in the same facilities and everything, it just hit quick. And then when all that happened, all of us, even the G League guys, because we played with them, you know, every other day, we were, you know, on the court with them. We were looking at the schedules, you know, and you're like matchmaking like did, you know, because you didn't know all this stuff, you know, how serious it was. And we were like looking at, you know, the Utah play Washington or someone that played Washington and all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, it ended up that no one, uh, I think they tested all the Wizards guys and no one had it, nothing in the facilities, you know, it was, it was crazy. We were like, we were on strict, like we couldn't leave our places for, for the seven or 10 days, right, right when it happened. Wow. Like super, super strict and they didn't know what was happening. And then after like 10 or 15 days, um, I believe, yeah, two weeks after, exactly two weeks after they, uh, they decided to, to cancel season and then, um, G League season and postpone the NBA. And uh, because G League season was almost done, you know, there's no point. I mean, what to wait for the playoffs, you know, because, you know, you have apartments that are leased till the end of April. You know, it's a lot of it's tough to organize all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was quick. That's what's crazy. It really, it really was quick. And they called us and said, you know, you guys are uh, free to go. You can stay this and that. And, you know, I just got on the first flight because they were closing the border. And I got on the first flight to, to Toronto the next day and, uh, and self like legit self quarantine. Like I wasn't even touching my parents or nothing for two weeks too because when i flew over man it was crazy in the airport so i had a mask gloves everything no one was wearing a mask you know flight attendants like this was we're talking about a month and a half ago you know where people weren't i mean even to this day you can go in a grocery store and people don't have masks i mean mm -hmm. 
it is what it is. Like I said, it's their choice, but you know, I'm going to keep myself safe. So when I was in the airport, you know, I, I made sure I literally didn't drink a, it was only like an hour and a half flight and then whatever you come here a little earlier, maybe five, six hours, but I didn't drink water. I didn't touch anything. I didn't literally like, I was just like, I made a bubble almost, you know, where I uh, was avoiding people. And, and when I landed, you know, it was like four or 500 people in customs. So, you know, you're, you're, and we're literally like right next to each other in a line. You know, you can't avoid, I mean, they can't, you know, make, make the space. So I was worried when I first, uh, actually I had a little bit of a sore throat and I was like, but nothing. I was fine. I called my doctor and everything. And, uh, um, yeah, I've been, like I said, I've been in quarantine, like pretty much those first two weeks. I was, when I say quarantine in my room, like did not go out, did not, you know, mingle with my parents, even did not even go close to them, you know, wore a mask in the house. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you don't, you didn't know how, how, and even right, I would do the same right now, you know, if I came from anywhere. You don't ever want to put anyone, you know, in jeopardy, regardless of family, you know, you, I would do the same if I was with friends. Sure. You just, uh, you just don't know. So yeah, it was, uh, it hit, it hit pretty fast. It hit, uh, it hit real fast. You know, in a day or two, everything was just like postponed, canceled. You know, you guys quarantined, blah, blah, blah. You know, you have to go home now. And yeah, it was crazy. It was sudden. It was super, super sudden. Cause I don't think, you know, at that time, because, you know, around February, they're starting to talk about it. And then when it hit, it hit. You know, it's, it's hard to, to to avoid something like that when, you know, I'm I'm not going to judge, you know, anything. But, you know, I wasn't taken seriously at the beginning, I feel like. You know, not so the NBA did, but, you mm-hmm. know, in general, like globally. Sure. So you're back home with your family, with your parents mm-hmm. and little brother uh, as well? Yeah. Little uh. big brother, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's us, uh, us in the house. Like I said, I mean, it's been crazy. You know, I've never been able to spend this like much consecutive time with uh, with my family. So um, I'm definitely, like I said, you know, I made a joke about the wars and you know a little bit around the food and stuff. But I mean, it's 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 been a blessing in disguise. I feel like a lot of people who, you know, especially play basketball, have not got or will not get this opportunity ever again. Let's just mm-hmm. be real. You know, we have a season of you know eight to ten months every year. I know your story has been told, but just for those people who aren't aware, I mean, that backstory is, is pretty compelling. Like it's, you're coming from like a war torn region, right? Civil war, oh, yeah. Yugoslavia is splitting up. Oh my what, God. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you, what do you tell people about those times in your life when your family came over here? Um, I mean, the best thing and like, I really would want one day maybe for like a short, you know, not, not an interview, but even, like almost a film of my, cause my parents are really the ones that had the, um, the crazy kind of story. And they were, I was young and I was born during those times, but you know, I have some stuff that, that stayed with me, um, from being a baby and, you know, bombs hitting, you know, close to, to where I was at. And those are things that, you know, mess you up. When I say mess you up, you know, they have some effect in your, in your life later on with, you know, mental and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, imagine that's what my mom told me a couple of days ago. She was like, you're going over, you know, crazy over this quarantine. When I was your age, you know, we had a war. You know, me and your dad were, you know, in a war-torn country. Like I said, like, that's why, you know, my parents are my heroes. Because we're talking about in their in their prime years, you know, when they were young, young. Like, we're talking about, you know, how, how old were they? They were, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, around, you know, those years were, were the war years. Um, so you're talking about, you know, the prime, prime years of your life were, I was in Hawaii <laughs> on a beach during that time. Um, and so I would, I would definitely like when I, you know, I'm talking about the story, I would go and talk about my parents. Um, because at that time, like we're talking about full out, people don't realize, you know, understand that because 
you know, in the States, you don't really, and in Canada, you don't have that kind of picture that, hey, 20, 25 years ago, in the 90s, not just in Serbia, you had civil wars everywhere. In Africa, you had, you know, even in the early 2000s. And, you know, people don't kind of realize that, that you know, it's real life stuff and those wars are. So, you know, if I, uh, if I touch up on that, you know, big, big, I mean, especially my mom too, like my dad was, you know, and I never go into details. That's not the stuff you talk about. You know, he was involved in, uh, um, you know, you know, you were required to participate and, and, and be involved in the war. And, you know, that's first and foremost, you know, I'm glad that not just my dad, obviously my mom too, but they, you know, they survived. We survived, you know, because I lost family, you know, on, on all sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, uh, it's tough because, okay, you go through, you know, a bomb landed 50 meters from my house. You know, I didn't talk for six months. Like, I go into details and my dad could, you know, have stories on stories that, uh, you know, people could never imagine, you know, stuff that, that isn't even in films, you know, but, you know, my mom was, uh, when she, so I was born in Belgrade and my dad, you know, had his stuff going on in, in the war and whatnot. You know, you have my mom, uh, almost raising me, you know, at the beginning by herself in, in, in war torn, you know, Belgrade where there was an embargo and she couldn't get diapers. And she couldn't, you know, and, and the thing is, like, they're, they were a young couple, but that's how it is during the war. Like, we, we didn't have a lot of help from, from, let's say, like, family or from friends or from, when I say help, like, everyone's looking out for themselves. And we were constantly on the move. Like, every two, three months, you know, we would move out. We would have to move out, you know. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it wasn't easy. And like I said, like, you know, there was times where, you know, my dad made sure at all times, as long as, you know, when he wasn't there next to us, that we were safe. But, man, you're talking about my mom, you know, she's, 24, 25 also, you know, with the, with a newborn baby and you have an embargo, like nothing, nothing's coming in, nothing's coming out. Like it's a war. It's mm-hmm. a legit, like legitimate, legitimate war. So, um, I was young and I never, you know, try to over exaggerate, um, the story because I was a baby, but you know, my parents went through that. But what really, you know, I, I can, you know, start opening up is when we came over to Canada. And again, that goes on my parents because look, you're coming to, and what's crazy, you know, we talked about it a couple of days ago. So they had like a couple options. And uh, as refugees, I guess you would look at it to go to Canada, um, Australia, and uh, I think the States. I think it was Chicago or something like that. Oh, and around that time, like former Yugoslavia, you know, all people from uh, that region, those are kind of their options. And that's where you have cells. You know, you have in Toronto, a lot of people from, you know, Bosnia, Serbia, Croatia, uh, okay. just like Chicago, you know, all these cells of people in Australia too. You have uh, a lot of people from former Yugoslavia. Um, but so we came here and you got to think about it. They don't know English. I mean, they know a little bit, you know, and you come over here and we had my, my brother was born after we came in 97. He was born in 98. So a little over a year now, you know, they have two kids and, uh, and luckily for me, like I was able to adapt and pick up the language because I was four, I was five. You know? Um, English, when I look at it, even you could say it's my first language because technically, you know, I was still a baby and, you know, still young. You know, I didn't really go to school in, in Serbia. So I almost look at it too. Like the, the English, the, the language barrier wasn't tough, but you know, you're coming to a completely new country where you don't have nothing. Like you're coming with zero dollars. <laughs> you know, you're coming with zero dollars. And like I looked at it, like my mom had to take care of, uh, me and my brother at the same time. She had her, you know, she had degrees in Bosnia, uh, former Yugoslavia, I guess you would say from Sarajevo. That's where they were actually, that's where we left, you know, but you have to kind of, Everything you had over there, you know, restart. So she got to do, she has to do her schooling all over again while having two kids who which are babies. And we weren't easy, you know, you can imagine how, how crazy we were. And you have my dad over here who's working and people, you know, think it's a joke, five jobs, 
you know, we're talking about pizza construction. Like he, you know, and nothing to be ashamed of. He drove, you know, one of his first jobs was driving for, for Domino's in the, you know, the late night shifts too, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, construction and car dealerships and anything you could kind of get your, and my parents, man, they, they made sure that no matter what, me and my brother were good. And what's crazy is, and I know there's families that, that to this day, like, you know, they've, they've found a way, I guess, in Canada. Like when I say found their way, like you're talking about the, you know, American Canadian dream, but you know, they stayed on welfare and they, my parents, man, they came over here. They got off, you know, it's not welfare, but they give you like refugee help. They got off everything. And after the first year, you know, got their own place. They were, you know, just running and running with it and, and making sure that we were situated. And, uh, and it wasn't, like I said, it's not easy. Man. People don't, but the, the thing is people don't understand. And I look at it now, like exactly what my mom said. When they were my age, there was a, they were going through a war. I'm going through a, I said, at least I could do is be in my house and play Call of Duty. You know, I can make a joke about it now, but you know, they, they legit had all those problems. So when I say like it had long-term effects on me too, I look at it through my life, like almost more so like, because I'm not going to be like, Oh, I went through a, I, I was a kid, you know, I was a baby. I didn't physically, you know, my parents took care of me, but because of that, in my mind, I always have that. And when tops, when, when things get difficult for me, I have that extra motivation that I come from. Like, those are my genes. Like, my parents, you know, they went through that. So I can go through, you know, my basketball problems and wake up in the morning and, 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 you know, work out at five and all this stuff I did when I was younger. And, you know, playing professional, you know, now is a tribute to, to that, you know, and everything that I've succeeded in life. I, I don't think I, I would have succeeded if, uh, you know, if I had that life story, because again, I'm not someone to say, you know, my life was, you know, super hard. It was, it was difficult for sure. But the life that my parents had and a lot of different, you know, families from that region, I mean, you can't even think about it. Yeah. I can't look, I grew up with that. I can't comprehend. So I can imagine, you know, people that, you know, kind of from the, from the regular, you know, that grew up, you know, in Canada and America and this and that with, uh, you know, with no civil wars and stuff, you know, it's just, so there's some serious topics. And I joke about it now, but man, I could have, I could have lost my dad. I could have lost my mom. And I could, you know, like, like it takes uh, uh, an inch, a millimeter, man. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, difficult times. But like I said, you know, we, we got through that. And that's why I attribute, you know, me and my brother's success. And that's always what motivated me. If they were able to get us out and get us to Canada and everything, like, we have to succeed. Like, there's no, like, when I say we have to, like, we have to be successful in anything we do and, and always kind of keep our, and that's, that's a, not just, you know, from that region, but that's that kind of immigrant, you know, uh, mindset where you'll, you'll always take that extra step, you know, and when times are hard, you know, you're, you're, you're seasoned for it, you know? Sure, man. So when you went to go play there as a professional in Serbia, put, put that like in, in context with that childhood memories that you had and, and upbringing, what was that like going back as an adult and being there? Yeah, it was special. Um, it was special, but at the same time, it was difficult, you know, because like I said, people over there have been through a lot and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not easy. Like to this day, it's not easy over there. Um, it's not an easy life. You know, it's not like, that's when I say like, you know, people really, you know, still struggle and still, uh, you know, find their means to, to, you know, to a good life over there. But, um, when I say it was special, so. You know, when I went, uh, and actually before I went back to play, you know, we went a couple of times and like, you're just driving through and, you know, my dad or my mom will, you know, show me where they grow up, grew up. And it's a lot different now, you know, definitely it's, it's not the same. 
when I say it's not the same, like when they grew up, you know, to the war to now, you know, there's three different phases where life is different. You know, when they grew up and then when they were growing up, it was Yugoslavia, you know, it was a huge country. I mean, you know, it was way different, you know, it was five, six different, I guess, countries now. And then obviously during the war, you had that transition phase. And then now, you know, and then people are just all scattered too, like, you know, places that they, they spent and grew up and, you know, it's, it's changed. It's different now. You know, different cultures have you know, moved in and whatnot. But, you know, it was uh, it was special for me because, like I said, you know, I, I know what I am, you know, but I grew up and I spent a lot of time over here. You know, we didn't go every, a lot of families, you know, even my friends here in Canada, every summer, they'll go family vacations, you know, they'll go back home, you know, to Bosnia, to Serbia, to whatnot, to Montenegro, to this, to that. But I, uh, because of basketball, it was just tough, you know, and my brother too. My brother played AU his whole life and, and we, uh, we really didn't, we spent most of our summers traveling because of basketball and we went a couple of times, but not, you know, every summer and, and whatnot. So it was, uh, it was crazy. It was special because like I said, you know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, you'll, you'll get those moments where like, you know, it's crazy. 20 years ago, you know, this was a war zone, <laughs> you know, and, and this and that. And so, uh, it was, it was special for me. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I really enjoyed it, you know, being touched with, with my culture and the food, everything, the people, because, you know, people over there, they really, uh, they know how to enjoy life. You know, over there, like, a big thing is, is, you know, every day, like, no matter what, during your coffee break or whatever, you're out, you're sitting with, you know, five, six year coworkers drinking coffee or with your boys or, you know, you're, you're constantly outside. You're always doing something. You're always active. You know, you're always, uh, you know, out and about the nightlife. Nightlife is, uh, you have what they call slavic. They're, uh, they're clubs on the river. Um, and they're literally hot, like river boats, which they, you know, made into clubs. And it's known. I mean, everyone in Europe knows. And, and, uh, you know, I think it was voted the, the best, one of the best nightlifes in Europe. For sure it was. Um, and, yeah, and Belgrade? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Belgrade. And it's just the energy there is crazy. So it was definitely, uh, it was special. I, I cherished, you know, and I enjoyed it. And, uh, it was different though. Like I said, it was an adjustment for sure. You got to think like my mindset, basketball wise, but life wise, my mindset is not 100% European. You know, I grew up in, uh, in Toronto. I spent a lot of time in the States. I, you know, spent 10 years in the States, 10 years in, uh, in Canada. I spent five or six, you know, in, in, uh, in Serbia. So when you look at it in Europe, um, you know, my mindset is over here. So like going back over there is just like, and people say like mindset about what? Like, every country is different, you know, and just the way people and what's values and what's more important, you know, this and that. But like I said, just being over there and being able to, to, to spend holidays, you know, in, in, in the country that you're from and stuff, just those, those like little details are special, you know, and obviously my parents came to visit too, which was, you know, cool being over there with them. And it was really like, I enjoyed it. Cause like I said, like people don't, understand like some of the food spots over there and it's 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 crazy like people and i know all my international teammates all my american teammates say the best food is in serbia what kind of food are you talking about that's the thing so the traditional serbian food i actually put on instagram today we have yeah we're big we're big on meat like huge but so we have like even how greeks do it we put on uh like a goat you know young goat we put on the rotisserie you know and we let it kind of slow cook for like four, four and a half hours, five, three, doesn't matter. And then we call this, uh, pechenya. And this is, uh, this is something that, you know, 
the skin it gets really uh i guess crunchy you know i would say for vegans not not the place you know obviously we have uh uh, a big when I say seafood, we're big on uh, um, rivers. So we have a we have you know rivers that go through. We have a lot of good river fish, and then the ocean is so close that when you go to you know Montenegro down there, Croatia, the seafood and 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 it's different. Like you know Hawaii, like the sushi and stuff. Like over over here, they have like specialties like from squid. You know the way the way they uh, calamari. You know the way they pair it. You know it's more so like the whole like you get the whole uh, actually like the baby kind of squid. Um, but it's, it's meat oriented, you know, they have chavapi, which are basically like little mints, like meat sausages, almost they're tiny. What's crazy. Like you could come there and try our food and you'll be amazed. But when I say your food, like, I don't know if you're a big sushi guy. Fair amount. Fair amount. Fair amount. Look, and again, Hawaii has the best sushi I've ever had in my life, but I might put Serbia at number two because wow. we really, we really have. The food over there is fresh. That's that's the key, and we have like. We'll give Japan the top spot. We'll give Japan the top Pardon? spot for the sushi. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't been. I've heard that too. No, you're right. And maybe people are gonna be like, "Wow, thanks like you have no taste." You know, sushi in, in Serbia. <laughs> I I wouldn't recommend it, but I'm saying if you had to, you'd be like, "Wow, this is amazing." And we just have a, a a lot of mixes, and it's not necessarily like you're just eating Serbian food, but we've adapted, and and all the restaurants there are especially ones on the river, the quality is, is unreal because really our food is, is super fresh and super healthy. Like even though you're eating like all this meat and all this stuff, you'll, you could be eating, you know, we have crepes, like call it chinke, that's our like big dessert. And you could eat that every day. And you can come back to the States after a month and you'll be like, wow, man, how come I got skinny. <laughs> it's because, you know, the GMOs, the additives okay. and all this. And honestly, because I've had that experience, I've uh, actually, when I was in Mizzou, and true story, I had a two-month, like, top-of-the-notch meal plan, program, everything. Like, two months, I was working out like crazy every single day the summer. This was June and July. I went down from, I was at 15% body fat. I, I let myself go a little bit after the season. <laughs> I have those moments. And uh, after those two months, I dropped down to about 10, which was okay, solid. I went uh, over to, to Serbia for maybe a month for uh, August. And we went on vacation. We were eating everything. And I was eating cakes. And we went to, you know, all over to the beaches and this and that. Came back at like 8% after one month of not working out. And not just because the food is it's fresh. Wow. And it's true. No, it's crazy. And that, I wouldn't make it up, man. But I was, I was, uh, it was unreal. So the thing, like when people say it's not just Serbian food, but even when you go over there to eat a pasta, you know, you'll be like, wow. And the, the service, the waiters, they, they, it's their jobs. Here in Hawaii, in the States, being a waiter is a part time job. Over there, it's a job job. You know, obviously, you have waiters who are full time here too, but over there, like, they take it super serious. And they, the service they give you, they make sure you're, they check on you every 10 seconds, which maybe annoys some people, but, you know, they do their job really, really well. I may have to, I may have to visit. That, that may do, do good for uh, me. Hey, for, uh, for, you gotta come watch a derby game. And then, uh, and then the spend some time eating, eating at a couple of spots. I'll, I'll be your, your host, man. I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> hey, me and Nico, me and Nico, me and Nico. No, man, you would, you would trust me. You would enjoy it. It's, so, it's actually, it's, it's one of the, like, top five, six, uh, like, tourist spots because it's also very, very cheap, like, for your, for your dollar. And people love that, you know, when you're, when you're going all over. Sure. Um, and the value, the value is unreal.
So yeah, no, I would recommend it. Trust me. I mean, it's far from Hawaii, but what one of these years? Huh? So I know at various points in your life, like people have asked you, like how you identify yourself, like your your place of origin, like who who you mm-hmm. are, your makeup as a as a person, as your background, and yeah. I, I've heard you say you know Serbian Canadian a lot. I think. A lot of times in certain articles that I read, like you identified more on the Serbian side. Mm. Where, where are you at these days? How, how do you kind of describe yourself? Uh, Hawaiian, Hawaiian. Nah, <laughs> um, nah, look, like the thing is, I know, I know who I am and I feel it. And, and like being back there, I'm definitely, you know, Serbian. So that's a hundred percent. I mean, I feel like it's a, you know, from, from my mentality to everything, when you look at it, you know, me as a whole, but obviously, you know, Serbian Canadian when I say that you know um I feel like all parts have shaped me you know I feel like everywhere I've gone is is, is kind of shaped me in my life but you know I am, I am Serbian there's no there's no question about that because you no know, you you feel it when you, like being over there you 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 feel it and you know where you felt like most at home you know like in the states and Canada and everywhere I've been Hawaii I felt the most at home because the energy over there and the experience I had there were so many ups and downs but you know, when someone says, like, you have a second home, like, legitimately when I was over there. But, again, I'm not Hawaiian, you know. Like, that's the second home. But when I was over there and my origins, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, um, you know, and, and when I would have a, you know, opportunity to play for a national, national team and all that stuff, you know, Serbia. Ser- Serbia is where my heart is. But, uh, like I said, there's no, um, you know, it's not that big of a deal for me anymore. You know, it's not, you know, something like, when I was younger, I was always like trying to, you know, find myself, but you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with, uh, like I said, you know, I'm Serbian, but everywhere I've been as a shape, you know, and that, that's a hundred percent, you know, I feel, I feel most, uh, most at home, you know, when I'm, when I'm back there, you know, I gotcha. I'm glad for you that you found that kind of resolution there. So the time from when you left UH and mm-hmm. the pro career that you've had, <clears throat> Yeah. Since those since that time in um after you declared that you're gonna turn pro in twenty sixteen, April of twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen draft, yeah. Right. So you went out for the NBA draft, you thought maybe there was hope that, that you could get picked up second round potentially. Mm-hmm. Didn't yeah. happen. But um what what's the pro journey been like for you since that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically and you know, the whole draft, when I look back at it, you know, I was, uh, actually, I, I wouldn't change, you know, the route. Um, because a lot of, you know, misconception comes with the second round. That, that whole second round is a lot of, how do I say, you know, it's very tough to, uh, to actually make the roster as a second round compared to as a, as a non-drafted guy from just looking at my draft in general, because you get an opportunity to, you know, after the draft is over, pick a team that really, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you weren't drafted. My year, Miami actually didn't have a pick, so you know they they physically couldn't draft me. But you uh you get a lot of interest. Like I had five teams as soon as the draft was over, and you get to choose. You know, and obviously, like I said, like any player would during that time, it was tough. Like that draft day, I was pissed. And you 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 know you you're just listening. You're like that guy, that guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's not even hating. It's just you know almost as a competitor, as as you know as a human being. You know, you you want to be uh you want to have that. That's one thing, obviously, like I said, I wouldn't change it, but, you know, being drafted is, you know, it's a big thing. So, like I said, you know, it didn't happen, but Miami had a, had huge interest in my pro day. Like I said, they didn't have a draft pick and uh, got picked up by a great, I mean, when I say great, one of the 
honestly, best organizations, and and that's you know, I mean, known globally. Honestly, the the way Miami does stuff is uh, is really different. Um, when I say really different in a positive way, obviously, you know, you had Pat Riley over there, who's a legend, um, and they have their own, you know, saying the Miami way, where uh, again, not you know, talking bad about the the NBA, but even when you look at college or when I was in Europe, you know, you play so many games that you don't have. You have the development for sure individually, but practices and, and how guys, you know, are working, guys are working more individually, you know, either in the summers, you know, with their trainers or stuff, Miami, super family oriented and super everyone from the young guys, you know, as soon as summer league was over, you know, I had a great summer league that summer too. We, uh, we all got out there and we started working out. I mean, two times a day we were in the gym with coaches and this is summertime. We're talking about a time where, you know, NBA is a, is a grueling season and, and most guys want to be home or want to be with their families or even coaches. Uh, you know, obviously people want some breaks. They're talking about Jawan Howard, who was with me there too. He, you know, had a crazy NBA career. Um, legend, leg- I mean, he's a legend too in my eyes, you know, was, uh, you know, had a successful career. And, you know, he was in the gym with us in August, um, after coaching the whole summer league. Obviously, I think he's coaching in Michigan now. So, I mean, that whole atmosphere, you know, we had a conditioning test that we had to pass. You know, you would think, you know, in an NBA, but they took it serious. You know, you had to pass some um, body fat also. Um, and those are just the little things that not saying, again, NBA and those teams are the top of the top. Like, don't get me wrong. But Miami really, and you have those San Antonio, those championship Lakers now, you know, uh, organizations, which, uh, you know, they, they, they take a step ahead. So, yeah, that was the kind of early, you know, part of my career. And I mean, I'm not going to, again, never make excuses or blame. You know, I had some, uh, I broke my hand that, that rookie year. You know, my shooting hand, you know, I had a, a torn ligament in training camp. You know, I had some, uh, some normal stuff, adversity, you know, thank God, no, no injuries that, you know, would kind of, you know, stay throughout my career. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that first year was huge learning experience. You know, you, I mean, you get thrown in the fire, literally. Fire with the heat. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> and you, you had a, I went back and, you know, read some, some clips from that time, Jenks. I think you had like a, a foot sprain or something like that, like right when preseason training camp was going on. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was actually a torn ligament in my ankle. Um, it, it ended up starting as a foot sprain and it went to a torn ligament in my ankle. So I, I only played in one preseason game. I was, we were playing pickup, um, right before kind of right around, you know, the start of the preseason. So I didn't get to actually go through training camp at all. We were in the Bahamas. I was there, uh, rehabbing. When the preseason games, I think the second last game I got in, um, that's when I kind of, you know, probably wasn't ready, ready 100% because I didn't practice and stuff. But, you know, I want to give it a shot. And, and after that, I, I got sent down, uh, got waved and got sent down to the G League where I, you know, played my first three games. And in the third game, I believe I broke my hand, um, which was, you know, rough. I mean, but it's sure. professional career. I mean, we're, we're playing a sport, we're playing basketball, you know, injuries are, or part of it, you know, like I said, you, you know, you have some luxuries, but you also have like any, any, you know, job. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying any job you can break your hand, but you know, it's something athletic. So I, it happened. But, um, like I said, regardless, like the learning experience was crazy because like that's the top of the top level. Like my first year, you know, I, I got to, you know, I got a taste, as you would say, um, of the NBA. So you went the G League route, right? With the, mm-hmm. the Heat affiliate first, the Sioux Falls Skyforce. And I yeah. think the Erie Bayhawks that same year, you might have got traded. Yeah, um, yeah I, I came back from my injury and uh, Sioux Falls was fighting for a playoff spot, whereas I had 10 games left in the season. Um, I literally, you know, that was the last month of the season. I needed uh, I needed to at least, you know, 
coming off a broken hand, get some uh, get some serious minutes. So I, uh, at that time, Orlando's team was out of the playoffs. Yeah, Orlando's a Philly, sorry, Erie. Right. Because um, they changed, you know. I don't even yeah. know who, who. I think Erie's a New Orleans team. It's weird. You know, betterment for my career. And I went over there and finished the last 10 games. I mean, really strong. I was putting up, you know, real good numbers. What was it like just going from, I think you had a quote at the, at the time was something to the effect of, you know, I've been lucky my whole career. I've been playing in warm weather places. You oh, know, yeah. Nowhere too cold. I mean, the last couple stops were Hawaii and, and Miami. And yeah. then you go up to Sioux Falls, South Dakota in the winter time, right? What was that like? Man, that was, uh, I mean, winter time, you know, usually we would say, I guess, you know, fall, but over there it doesn't exist. Um, you know, fall is winter, spring is winter. You know, you have a, I feel like a little bit of a summer there. I mean, I, I wasn't there for summer. I'm sure it gets warm, which is really no different when you look at it to where I spent the majority of my life, you know, younger life in Canada. It actually, you know, I, don't, I mean, I know how it is over there. It's warm, but. Uh, last week, it, uh, we had, that's Celsius, I don't know, minus one, you know, that's below freezing, um, and we had snow, so, uh, yeah, April April 20th or 21st, whatever that was, you know, last week, uh, we had we had some snow, so, I mean, I was used, I guess, used to it, I, I got uh, spoiled being out in Hawaii, especially, and then, okay, obviously, Miami for, you know, four or five months, but Sioux Falls was something different, because I came out there in November, and it literally snowed within a week of me being there, and when I say snowed, like, we're talking feet, like two, three feet or so. We're talking, I took a picture, I put it on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. That's the, that's the one you're talking about. It was crazy. It was crazy. So yeah, I mean, but like I said, who's been lucky enough to, to spend, I believe, uh, two and a half, almost three years in Hawaii, first and foremost. You know, that was, you know, something that, that, like, it's crazy at the, at the time, I, I really, okay, don't get me wrong, I knew I was in Hawaii and I went to the beach and I enjoyed every second, but, you take it for granted. I mean, you know, you're, you're obviously, and you've been out there for a super long time, so you're accustomed to it. But even you probably, when you're traveling with us for the big West, when you leave the island, you realize how, how much of a special, I mean, honestly, special place it is, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. Weather-wise, especially <laughs> when you, when you get too far. But yeah, it was different, but you know, it, it is, man, it's a job. So that's what, that's what I put in my head and, you know, just buckle down and, uh, no beaches, just, just really got in the gym. But like I said, it's a job. After after college, you just you know, and your your mindset is is a little different. You know, you uh, you literally all you have is basketball. So you kind of throw that out. You know, location doesn't really matter, especially after the first couple of years. But yeah, the first year was it wasn't easy. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. It, it hits you. What's what's something that people don't appreciate or or may not know about you know the G League life? I know it's not the most glamorous of oh, lifestyles. No, it is. Uh, like you can go down from the from the the the, the basis of it. I mean, look, they've and they're improving. Like this year, definitely, when I came back, I saw little improvements. They're not, you know, quite there. But I mean, you you go from even from the start from the salary. I mean, that's obviously something that that interests people all the time. And you know, the G League is supposed to be a developmental league, but it's still it's connected to the NBA. You know, it, it shares the the brand and all that stuff. But you know, when you go down there, first and foremost, your your salaries are. are I bring up salaries because, you know, people are always talking about, you know, how much players make in the NBA. But what I like about it is it's a wake-up call, you know, because that's your job now. And that salary, I mean, I'm not, again, I respect everyone's grind, but I'm sure you could, you know, find a, a job at a part-time job, you know, doing doing anything where, where you'd be making that money. So um, travel, you know, everything is like, I was at Hawaii, I, you know, don't get me wrong, Hawaii, as, as great as a program we had, I was also on Mizzou, like, 
it's not, you know, the Duke and North Carolinas. And I know some of my actual teammates came from those, you know, programs where their facilities were, you know, crazy and, and, and better than the NBA. So like in the G League, you know, you, you have to buckle down and it's really a, it's a process where it tests, you test your love of the game. But like I said, I enjoyed it because, you know, it's great getting paid, but it's never been about the money, but people always look at that. And so they don't actually appreciate the grind as much, but when they, when they actually, you know, put in their mind that you know, these guys are, like I said, it's got a lot better, but man, like the travel, you know, you have, uh, you know, really, really small towns like Sioux Falls, you know, was okay, but you know, you have some of these, you know, in Iowa and, and whatnot. And I got lucky this year being in DC, but you know, being eerie, like I'm not, you know, I have friends over there. I made friends over there, but these aren't places that I planned on ever being, you know, it's just, I don't think it's a place that anyone plans on, uh, you know, living or, or spending significant time. So yeah, it's a grind. You have to, you have to buckle down. The G League is, uh, think about it, it. You have X amount of guys that are in the exact same position as you that are this close, are talented enough to play in the NBA. And it's literally like the competition is crazy. The guys are just, um, they're hungry. They're a lot hungrier than NBA guys. You know, NBA guys are making millions and are set and, and they've made it. You know, the G League, you're so close, but you're so far. Right. Like, not distance-wise. You know, we're literally talking about, you know, I was with DC right now, and, and we're in the same facilities. But, man, you really are close. But at the same time, you know, you, you really have to buckle down. So that whole uh, that whole process, is it's not the easiest life. It really isn't. Again, it's getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. That first year, man, it was it was tough. Because, you know, we were taken care of. We, we lived like kings in Hawaii. Like I said, Hawaii isn't even... You know, on the top, I'm talking about, you know, those Kentuckys and those where imagine how those, you know, programs basketball-wise, you know, how they, uh, you know, those are obviously historic, historic. But, you know, in Hawaii, we live like kings, you know, and you go, you know, to the G League and it's, uh, it wakes you up. You, you have to love the game. That's, that's what I tell people. That, that, it just tests your love for the game. Cause I know guys that, you know, even when, even through college, you know, that were more talented than me, but especially in the G League that, you know, guys, they, they, they weren't, I guess, built for, you know, it's adversity. It's, it's not, that's not a place you want to stay. I don't think anyone plans on, you know, playing or having a G League career, you know, that's, that's a, and they know that it's a step. It's a, you know, it's a process, but yeah, that whole process was, uh, it wasn't easy. I'll, I'll be, I'll be straight up. You know, it was really, it was tough. Did you witness any of your teammates at either the, the Capital City Go-Go, which is what was your last team, as you said, yep. or the, the Sioux Falls Sky Force or the Erie Bayhawks? Any teammates along the way, did they get a like a midseason call up to the to the association? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Especially when I was at Sioux Falls, um, there's always you know on almost every team you have uh, former NBA guys. But what was crazy about this uh, last experience I had with DC, we literally had from uh, Jerry and Grant to Jalen Jones. These are you know not household names, but Jerry and Grant spent I think almost five years in the NBA. These past five years, last year he was with Orlando, um, and then we had like Phil Booth who. Uh, who was with uh, Villanova, but he like guys that were first years, but that were like with the Wizards through training camp that were, you know, borderline NBA guys. Uh, obviously, I was there with Noah. You know, he was my roommate. Can't forget my guy. Uh, yep, Noah Ellis. But um, NBA-wise, you know, there was on our roster at one time, especially when they called guys down. Admiral Schofield was with us the whole time. They sent Gary Payton down. Um, they sent uh, another big man, Jonathan Williams, the third was there with us. So, at one point, we had eight NBA guys on our uh, G League roster. That's crazy. Which is, yeah. I mean, you look on the court and literally, and they were doing rehab with uh, with John Walsh. So they would have us play with, you know, some of the younger Wizards guys uh, every other, you know, every couple of days when we were there, they were there at the same time. So we were, I mean, 
I was in the gym with him. We were playing five on five, and it was, you know, it was surreal. Because at the same time, don't get me wrong, like I'm not, you know, no one, no one's a fan anymore. But you know, you have to pay pay your dues as as a basketball, you know, basketball fan, not you know, as a fan of anyone, but just being on the court and uh, you know, with John Wall and 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 playing with the guy, and seeing what what you know, he's he's, a, he's an NBA All Star. I mean, he's he's up there. You know, he had his injuries, but seeing you know how good these guys really are, awesome. So. With that, Janks, let's pivot to Europe because that's where you okay. spent um, a good two years prior to this last season coming back with the Capital City. Yeah, two and, two and a half. We left uh, midway through this past season. So yeah, right, right. From from Greece, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you first went over there, you went to Serbia. You played for – I'm going to have you pronounce the name of the team. Yeah, Serena it's a Red Star and Partizan. I mean, you could say that, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty easy. But yeah, Red Star, Red Star and uh, Partizan, which are actually rival teams, which was, which was definitely interesting. But yeah, I spent uh first first two years, two and a half, you know, in, in total in Europe. But uh, the first two years were in Serbia, um, which was interesting. You know, it was uh, it was another thing I'm going to say, which wasn't easy because one, the European style of basketball. And everyone looks at me because I am a Euro. I'm from Serbia, and, and my game is Euro. But even for me, I had uh, you know trouble at the beginning adjusting to the game because I went my first year we played Euro League, second year I played Euro Cup. So Euro League's a top top level. Euro Cup's just under it, but it's still you know pretty close. And Euro League is obviously second best league uh, compared to the NBA. But and I, I I can tell you you know all these former Hawaii guys from you know Carl English could tell you too that Europe is tougher than M- NBA. You know, in regards to obviously skill level, it's not because you have LeBron and, and Kevin Durant and Seth Curry and all this, but it's a tougher league, you know. And you see that when players play in FIBA in the the competitions, uh, the world competitions in the summer, because that's what kind of style, you know, game it is. Um, you know, you had Giannis play for Greece this summer. He couldn't dominate like he dominated uh, in the NBA. And that's just, it, it's a different game. It's, you know, the, the pain is more, you don't have the three seconds in the key, but um, the style is... uh it's a lot different. And over there, which, you know, obviously coaching has an effect everywhere. Coaching in Europe is almost the most important thing because they really control, they really control the game because it's a, there's a, there's a flow to it, you know. Um, it's not as much run and gun, you know, there's a lot of set plays. So yeah, like I said, that first year in Serbia, so it was a learning experience. It was different. I had to adjust and I did. Um, and I, I, uh, my first year, we didn't have the best year with, uh, with Red Star in the, in the, the Euro League. We had a young team and whatnot, and uh, uh, we won the Serbian championship, which is, you know, a good note to finish off. And the uh, following year after that, I went over to um, the rival team, which you know, was interesting. You know, there was uh, obviously you have you have the fans and whatnot who get involved. You know, they let, left a lot of lot of uh, you know comments on my photos, but you know that's that's messed up. Really, you know? Oh yeah, oh it's Serbia, man. We're we're crazy. You know how it is. People take it serious, but it wasn't nothing. You know, like. My life, my life is normal. But you know, people they 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 take it personal. You know, it's different. You you saw like the hooligans in uh, look, man, in, in Serbian I can get you know they're called the uh, Delia or uh, the Red Star fans and, and Grobari are uh, the Partizan fans. I I I can sign, I can put my you know everything in my life that that the best fans in the world in regards to that are in Serbia, that they legitimately no, it's crazy. It, the passion. Oh my God, these people live because look. You don't have the thing is in Serbia. You have to understand the people. It's it's a, it's a country that went through so much, and it's not 
look, it's not, you know, the United States or Canada or, or even, you know, Spain, Germany, these European Union countries, you know, people, you know, you don't have that, that affluential kind of middle class, you know, it's, uh, you have a lot of poor people over there. Um, again, don't get me wrong, people still, you know, it's one of the best places that, in my opinion, I can, I'm Serbian to go and visit and vacation, you know, People, when they, when you hear like, oh, it's a poor country, they think, uh, you know, there's, the buildings are, you know, crumbling. No, it's, it's, it's a beautiful and, and, and great country, but, you know, people don't have as much money as, you know, people in the States and, and, and the economy is obviously, you know, lesser and whatnot. So, you know, people over there, they, they have sports to make their day, make or break their day. You know, if your team wins that day, happiest guy. You don't care if you, you know, have a hundred dollars in the bank. As long as your team won the derby, you know the the game between Parza and Resta, uh-huh. you know our, our our people are passionate. But like I said, they've been especially in the last twenty twenty five years with the war and everything. You got to understand, man. These people, you know, they've been through a lot. So sports is is by far number one over there. You know, soccer and, and basketball are huge, and we're very successful. You know, because we have very good teams and we're, you know, we have very good athletes. So yeah, that was it was insane. It was it was really crazy to play in these. Like I would I would tell anyone. If, there's any way for you to make it out to a Red Star Partisan game when they're playing each other. It's super passionate. But at the same time, you know, we're very, you know, people, very passionate people. And at the end of the day, we're both, you know, we're still Serbian. That's, that's what, that's what we kind of say. So like, you know, people, maybe when they'd watch it, be like, Oh, this is crazy, man. These are hooligans. But after, you know, everything is done, you know, we all shake, especially players, man. We all shake hands and, you know, we all sit and, and, and you know, drink a beer after a game together. You know, that, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's why I say it's, uh, it's healthy, you know. Obviously, you have incidents, and like anywhere, you know, in England with with soccer, and in Greece also, how, how crazy their fans are. Um, and in general, in Europe, you know, it's it's different because in the states and college basketball, you have your, you know, kind of fan zones and you know hecklers and this and that. And in the NBA, not so much. NBA is more like, you know, you're coming to clap and you know just enjoy kind of. And you know, the passion over there is crazy. And uh, like I said, I had two decent years. Nothing, you know, nothing. Uh, Nothing special because it took me some time to adjust. Um, I had some coaching changes, just like, you know, it's crazy. I had in Hawaii. And then actually I, uh, so I went over to, um, Greece this past year for, to play with Ajax. And, uh, I was just, man, to be honest, really, I had some really, uh, lucky, I guess, some injuries too, because I, uh, the thing over there, you know, you have to get a flow, you know, and I came and I started great and, um, I, I tore a ligament in my shoulder. So I was out for a month. You know, and then I had an ankle injury and it, I, I couldn't get a flow. You know, I had decent numbers and everything. Um, and then we had, uh, we had, I don't know how, what the number is, but you're limited to a number of, uh, uh, foreign players. And we, uh, we had way too many, uh, bigs. We actually had way too many centers. Uh, they didn't bring the, uh, they brought in another center. And yeah, my position was tough because, uh, we couldn't play with, with, I think six foreigners. We had like eight or nine. So. Um, actually, you know, together with the team, we made a mutual agreement, you know, instead of me playing every other game and you know, I needed to play G League actually came up because Washington contacted, uh, my, uh, my agent, you know, former, former UH, uh, basketball player, Nico Filipovic. I got to give him a <laughs> shout out too. There you um, go. Up, up and coming agent. Um, they actually contacted, you know, my agency. I mean, you know, he, he's not, he's, he's going to be my agent soon. We're, we're working on it, but, uh, yeah, they contacted BDA my sports, agent. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They contacted my agency and, uh, I thought it was, you know, a fresh start. And then I was intrigued by the idea of, by the idea of, uh, giving another shot, you know, coming back to Julie. So, um, those, those are the, the, you know, two and a half years in Europe. Like I said, gained a lot of experience, adapted. I think I'm 
you know, ready to, if, uh, you know, another opportunity comes, you know, to go back and, and really excel. But like I said, man, it takes, it takes some people, you know, former NBA players went over there and they couldn't, they couldn't just adapt. It's, it's tough, you know, cause I, I grew up playing basketball here at the end of the day. I am European, but my basketball was played in the state. So it wasn't easy, but yeah, that was, uh, interesting, definitely interesting two and a half years, but fun. Don't get me wrong. Don't forget to check out part two with Stefan Jankovic tomorrow, Friday, going over his UH days and what he remembers from that crazy NCAA investigation saga. See you then.